Shabbat Shalom. This challenging year is finally blessedly winding down. It's almost summertime. I met with the synagogue's lay leadership this week for our final working meeting of the year. The main sentiment expressed by all of us, whatever our line of work or business is, was this sense of utter exhaustion. Many of us, many of you, of course, work hard anyway. But there was something about this year that drained us. It was not only the number of hours that we devoted to our vocations and professions made substantially more complicated because of this worldwide pandemic. I think it was more than that. It was the degree of uncertainty that depleted our emotional reserves. Living with this constant threat of illness and death hovering above us, not having enough basic information to make sound decisions about the future, we ended up exerting enormous energy, not only professional but emotional, on feeling our way through this vast, empty space of uncertainty, just doing the best we can, one day, one month, one moment at a time. And as we sat around the table, I was sitting with our senior lay group, sharing what we've gone through this year. It became apparent how drained everyone is. Each of us thought we were the only ones who were experiencing this weariness, so it was strangely comforting to hear from everybody else in their own line of work how we all felt the same way. For us at the synagogue, we're still trying to fight our way through this fog of uncertain times. We need to plan for September. You know, there's Rosh Hashanah in September. It's early. Yeah, it's the Arab of Labor Day. It's Labor Day night. That's a little hint to get in there early. Our first B'nai Mitzvah are in August. By mid-September, our schools are reopening. And trying to figure out what September will look like and how will it, it affect our planning is a monumental and deeply frustrating and draining task. There's simply too much that we don't know. Human beings yearn for, crave stability. Day after day, month after month, year after year of not knowing enough to give direction to the days, months, and years to come unsettles us. It creates emotional turmoil. That's what's described in this week's Torah portion, Korah. Moses endured yet another rebellion from the people. Challenges to his leadership started immediately upon the exodus, even before the Israelites crossed the sea, and they continued to the very end. The uprising of Korah, described in this week's parsha, is the most severe. Looking back, we can understand and even sympathize with the Israelites. Slavery was all they knew. 
They were not equipped to survive on their own. The wilderness was harsh. There were constant devastating setbacks along the way. So naturally, they rebelled against Moses, their leader. He was the only address they could turn to. So they constantly complained to Moses and even rebelled. What is much harder to comprehend is the constant refrain of many of the rebels. Let's go back to Egypt. Egypt was a cauldron of cruelty. Egypt was the sweltering, steaming, scalding center of slavery, suffering, sorrow, sadness, and scarcity. Egypt was misery, misfortune, melancholy. Egypt was destitution, deprivation, desolation, disillusionment, depression, and despair. So challenge Moses all you want. Challenge his methods, his leadership style, his decisions. But why? Let's go back to Egypt. How to explain this constant obsession to return to the house of bondage? Even the construction of the golden calf was really a cry to return to Egypt, to return to the old familiar ways of the worship of the gods they knew, even though these gods were no gods at all. I think the constant refrain of how good things used to be in Egypt reflects basic human nature. If confronted with the choice, 40 years of uncertainty, just aimlessly wandering in the wilderness, or returning to what they knew, even if what they knew was bad, some people will prefer the bad that they know over the unknown. The unknown is scary, emotionally draining. We do not like uncertainty. Uncertainty creates anxiety. And so we fool ourselves into thinking that the certainty of the past is better than the uncertainty of the future, even if the certainty of the past was bad. Here's the basic dilemma of the human condition. We crave clarity in a world that will never be clear. We yearn for unity in a world that will never be unified. We favor familiarity in a world that is changing by the moment. We hunger for harmony in a world that cannot be harmonized. We crave consistency in an inconsistent world. We think that changing our minds is a bad thing. When politicians do it, we consider it evidence of a character flaw. Only a mule never changes its mind. And even then, in a couple of weeks, we'll read in one of the upcoming parshas of a mule that actually did change its mind. We want explanations to a world that can't be explained. We want control over an uncontrollable world. 
None of us has control, even those who think they do. The world is far too complex. I often think of my first visit to Berlin in 2001. I was leading a delegation of American Reform rabbis. It's the first time we ever did this. We were traveling through Eastern Europe, and we met with Walter Mumper, who was the mayor of West Berlin when the Berlin Wall collapsed. And he told us this fascinating story of the day that the wall collapsed. He said that despite having at his disposal all of the military and intelligence assets of the West, which were aimed at knowing precisely what was happening across the wall so that nobody in the West would be surprised, Mayor Mumper had no idea that the wall would come down that day. He told us, that his most optimistic vision was that in 20 to 30 years, Germans would be able to go from east to west and west to east without having to show a passport to the sentries guarding the walls. The mayor told us that he was at a television studio explaining all of this, that reunification would still take decades, at least another generation. When his cell phone started beeping, you know, back then in ancient times, they used to have these beeping, big, enormous cell phones. It was prehistoric man. His cell phone began beeping in the middle of an interview that he was explaining why reunification would still have to wait for at least another generation. And he was called to come to the wall urgently that had just been breached by thousands of East Germans. And this was the person who supposedly had all of the information of the West in his hands and all the answers. The very security of the West depended on it. He didn't even know that a new world was dawning three miles away. It was sunrise at the very moment that he was asserting that nothing would happen. On the day of the storming of the Bastille, July 4th, 1789, Louis XVI wrote in his diary, Rien, nothing, nothing consequential happened today. That day changed the world. Alas, on some level, like the ancient Israelites, all of us are destined to wander, never finding the certainty we want, never really understanding our world, and never quite arriving. But traveling backwards to Egypt is not an option either. Moses knew that he needed to quash this rebellion. It was a rebellion against the very future. We live our lives moving forward, not backward. Moving forward means that we will never know enough and that therefore we must make our peace with not knowing like the Israelites, like every human being who ever walked the face of the earth, to travel, to wander, is our destination. We must rejoice 
in the journey, even when the journey is challenging. We must find happiness and meaning in our moment because our moment is fleeting and it is all we have. Hopefully, by September, one will have to make decisions on all of this. We'll be able to look back in the rear view mirror at this year and say to ourselves that we made it through the worst. That if it was our destiny to live through a wilderness of social distancing and social isolation, that we found ways to do so with as much meaning and even joy as possible. Robert Louis Stevenson wrote, it is true that we shall never reach the goal. It is even more probable that there is no such place. And if we lived for centuries and we were endowed with the powers of a god, we should find ourselves not much nearer to what we wanted in the end. Oh, toiling hands of mortals, feet traveling ye know not whither. Soon, soon it seems to you you must come forth on some conspicuous hilltop and but a little way further against the setting sun described Descry the spires of Eldorado. Little do you know your own blessedness. For to travel, hopefully, is a better thing than to arrive. And the true success is to labor. We turn to page 146 for the Baruch and we rise. <laughs>